Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 169 of Uncovering Unexplained. 69, dude. <laughs> 69, dude. Oh, yeah, we did that on the, uh, <laughs> god damn, 100 episodes ago, we we inserted that clip in there. Fuck. Uh. Yeah, I really liked episode 69, too. When I think back, like, that was one of my more, because we talked about vampire cults and shit like yeah. that. I, fr- I remember yeah. that one being, like, a fun one to do, and it was pretty funny, so... If you want to go back a hundred episodes ago and listen to episode sixty-nine, uh, do that. But today is Thursday, December twelfth, two thousand nineteen. My name is Josh Cannon. I'm here with my co-host Mike, and um, we are reading about tumors that can grow teeth. Uh, it has nothing to do with the podcast, but it's called a teratoma tumor, and it's um, yeah, it can. It's been discovered with eyes. <laughs> oh my god. I would say that some a lot of the people that we've covered on the show are teratomas. Oh my goodness, dude! Check this shit out about these tumors. I'm sorry, guys. We're gonna get to everything, but I just have to. I just got on this here. Teratomas haven't just been known to sprout teeth. They've been known to contain all kinds of tissue, bone, muscle, hair, and elements of a nervous system. Teratomas have been discovered with eyes. In one benign teratoma found in a 16-year-old girl, doctors found, quote, well-differentiated and highly cerebral tissue in a skull-like bony shell. In other words, the beginning of a brain and brain stem in a fucking skull! (laughs) Holy shit. Sounds like the uh, basis of a horror film to me. Mature teratomas can be big like hers and painful. They can even be persistent. Sometimes they grow back once removed. They typically are not dangerous. Uh, Jesus Christ. Teratomas can grow teeth uh, through the type of stem cell that turns into an egg or sperm cell, uh, which in turn can produce a fetus. Germ cells are called pluripotent as scientists put it which means they can produce all different types of tissue when germ cells go rogue though teratomas arrive really all it takes is one germ cell going rogue in the 1960s embryologist barry pierce discovered that the root of every teratoma is a single germ cell which produces a constant stream of new and varied cells that accumulate into a tumescent mass Meanwhile, all the other cells in the tumor lead normal cellular lives and ultimately die off. Uh, In other words, teratomas are a case of a bad apple ruining the bunch. That's fucking nuts! (laughs) And Josh says that nobody learns anything uh, when they listen to this podcast. Yeah, see? That's right. That's right. Although someone's going to correct me on this problem. Be like, well, actually... Dude, that's crazy to think that there's a tumor... 
A tumor can grow inside of you and in a way without sperm or eggs. Yeah, it just makes me think it like, can become what would a person if like someone left it unchecked. You know. And they removed it and it's just like kill me, kill me. I'm in constant pain. <laughs> oh god, that's disturbing. Yeah. Anyway, this is a uh, podcast about unsolved mysteries, and boy, howdy, do we live up to the name this time around, because we're going to be covering two cases from the show Unsolved Mysteries, and, uh, you know, people like the chit-chat, but it just feels right to skip it right now. I don't know. It just feels natural to go right into JD Method. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, J.D. Method is a con man wanted for fraud who has bilked at least 17 women of their money in Golden, Colorado. I love the word bilked. Like, you don't normally hear that anymore. Yeah. Like, that, that's a very, that's, that used to be a very common term, but nowadays it's, it's not used nearly as often. That's, that, that's like right in line with swindle. Oh, he swindled me! Yeah. So he usually convinces them to extend their credit lines by purchasing credit cards. One of the women, single mother Peggy Peterson, met Method in 1990 after responding to an ad he had placed in the newspaper. After dating for several weeks, she, tr she trusted him enough to invest $500 with him to buy a new car. However, he claimed that he did not want to take money from her, so he tore her check in half. Now, this, this is a fairly short segment, but it's a memorable segment. And the reason why is the actor who plays J.D. Method is so convincing. He's so charismatic. And he, he's the type of yeah. just total asshole that you love to hate. Yeah, he's he was fantastic. I mean, this guy just like, I don't know if this is the right term, but he just eats the scenery. I don't know what that term means. Yeah, if you choose up the scenery, yeah, he, he, de he definitely does chew the scenery, but in a good way. Like, yeah. there are a lot of instances where you have actors who chew the scenery, but they do it in a way where it's like, stop eating the scenery because you're such a ham and you need to stop. Yeah. But that's not the case with this guy. Um, I like to... The way that he portrayed him was as a southern fried son of a bitch. <laughs> yes, very much so. He... He the the actor was like j they just I don't know from the accent to his mannerisms the, sm the smirk on his face yeah like he was just so like like it, it's this was this is such an enjoyable segment to watch I mean I fraud segments are like quickly becoming my favorite segments on Unsolved Mysteries which is crazy because it seems like random but uh -huh. uh, it's true though like I this is just such a enjoyable segment to watch and. You know these poor women that he he cons. You know, and they're they're interviewing a lot of them, and they're saying stuff like, you know, and they're in silhouette because they're all embarrassed and shit. They don't want to be seen. No, a lot of them weren't actually. I feel like one of them was. One of them was. Could have yeah. been a different fraud thing that I was watching. But they're like, you know, I was a smart, you know, I was an educated, uh, successful businesswoman. I should not have fallen for this guy. You know, and that scene that you just described where um, he convinces the woman he's with Peggy Peterson to invest $500 to buy a new car that whole thing played out in in the reenactment they're in this this car dealership and methods like so t tell me the story on this one there Joe or whatever the guy's name is he's like oh that's a beauty you're going to love that one blah 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 he's like 
And he's just there, he casually just mentions to Peggy, yeah, see, if I had that car, I could... Uh, it was I a Camaro. I could flip it for $2,000 tomorrow. It was actually $1,000. So oh, okay. it was a Camaro. So it was a Camaro. It was like a red Camaro. And he's like, see, you know, you put $500 down on that. And uh, I could set flip that car and have $1,000 in my pocket. Yeah. And so <laughs> she just like kind of goes off to, oh, hey, honey, I'll be right back. She like goes off to the side, pulls her checkbook out, writes him a check for 500 bucks, gives him the check. And he just, aren't you just a peach? Look at her. <laughs> and he, he goes, I can't take your money. He tears the check up. Yeah. And then the next day, he asks her for money. For yeah. what, what was because it Because he claims that his uncle was ill and required immediate surgery. So here she is going, well, I can't say, you know, yesterday I had $500 to lend you, but today I don't. I already showed him that I had the ability to lend him money. And now he's asking me for money for his sick uncle, so I had to, I had to yeah. give it to him. So it's not just that; he's also trying to convince. He's convincing her to open up more lines of credit, including multiple credit credit cards for, from the same company. And and in the reenactment, she's even she's rightfully questioning in this. It's like I don't know about that. I don't really want that many credit cards. Like, like you need more credit cards, like. <laughs> It's baby, it's the 90s. You got to have more credit cards. <laughs> it's just this guy was so suave and manipulative that he was able to just dig right underneath these women's skin and, you know, go right into their brainstem and like a tumor. Just uh, like a tumor, teratoma. Uh, and uh, just start playing around with their brain and, you know, Puppeting them around. Yeah, this, this guy... Master sociopath, this, like 100%. This guy uh, played what is called the long con because these weren't uh, these weren't little one or two day you know, or, or one hour things like the Sp no. Spanish Lotto or whatever that take a few hours. This guy would like be with these women for weeks, months, and, yep. you know... In the in the segment, they only mentioned like you know when he would be leading up to conning them, but you got to figure in in all those times. Besides that, they were probably going out to dinner, having conversation. You know, the women were feeling like there was a real connection with this person. He was gaining their trust, and I think that I mean, dude, you can con anybody if you gain their trust. I could con Mike if I wanted to. I could be like, hey man, I'm in hard times now. Can you PayPal me fifty bucks? Mike's probably thinking yeah. to himself, oh, I've known this guy for, you know, three and a half years now, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's never screwed me over in the past. Yeah, sure, I feel safe about that. And I could, like, just fucking, you know, lose your number and never talk to you. You know, I mean, yeah. and I might do that. You know, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I might. I, might. I doubt it. I, I doubt it. I don't it. know, man. <laughs> Glad you have that much trust in me. Maybe it's misplaced. So <laughs> So, um, the Wikipedia gets it mixed up. They, they try to combine the $9,600 with someone else, but actually, no, it actually is the same segment. Never mind, because there was another $15,000 later on. So they're right, and I was wrong. So anyway, he claimed that his funds were tied up in the Vester, so he needed a loan from her. Three months after they met, he asked her for $9,600 for a trip. He took the money and never returned. And like he, this is the quote. 
He's like, that nine to six hundred dollars is chili beans compared to what my assets are. <laughs> chili beans. <laughs> chili beans. <laughs> uh you did you just love to hate this guy. With stuff like that. I mean, who says who uses chili beans in that? <laughs> I've never heard that kind of vernacular for for money before. Only a southern fried son of a bitch would use chili beans. Yeah, seriously. That would be a great name for a uh, new show on uh, Investigation Discovery Channel. Southern Fried Son of a Bitch. <laughs> when Southerners go too far. He scammed me out of all my cows. He scammed me out of my 27 Ford. My grandpappy left me that. Will police ever catch up with him? This week's episode, Mr. J.D. Method. Well, that don't add up to a hill of beans compared to what I got. New to ID this Sunday, Southern Fried Sons of Bitches. <laughs> oh, man. So, the next, uh, so he took the money and never returned, uh, but he returned to conning people because he met another woman named Amelia in August of 1990. A month later, her son was trying to sell his car and buy a new pickup truck. Method told Amelia that he could sell her sell the car and for an additional $4,000, make a great buy in a new pickup truck. However, he took the money in the car, and they did not get the truck. Three months later, he asked her to take the, the equity out on her home. He said that he had a promissory note that would ensure her that he would pay her back. However, he filled it out, so she owed him the money, not the other way around. Ugh. Method worked slowly, so Oof. people trusted him. In fact, he did this multiple times. It was one of his M.O.s. He would write these promissory notes, and then he would do it in a way where he would flip things around, so then the people that he's ripping off are the ones that owe him money. <laughs> I mean, the audacity of this son of a bitch. And, you know, it's like painted in one of those ways to where it's like... <sighs> Yeah, you know, I'm sure a lot of these women did feel stupid, because I would feel fucking stupid. Like, you signed something, and it's like, man, did you even read it? But it's like, uh, maybe they didn't. I'm, that's where that whole trust thing comes into play. Yeah, the tr yeah, it's the trust that comes into play. They They start to become infatuated with this guy because of his charisma and his personality as with a lot of sociopaths and that's that just enables them to fall right into his trap so a third woman divorced mother linda weaver met method in 1987 through a telephone dating service Do, are there even telephone dating services anymore uh i would assume not so two months later he began to ask he began asking her for a $15,000 loan to help start a phony business of his. Of course, he doesn't say it's fake because, you know, that, that, would, that would be really testing how much you have somebody under your thumb. If you could be like, yeah, honey, I want $15,000 from you so I could start a pyramid scheme. <clears throat> and they're like, okay, all right. Well, <laughs> You were one dumb bitch. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, slap my ass and call me Sally. You are one dumb whore. Thank you. Gotta go. So two months later, began asking for the $15,000 loan to start a business. 
And this is the actual quote from from uh, the segment. It's great. He's like, she's all hesitant naturally about it. It's like, I don't know about this, JD. I don't know. Do it for you and me. Now, you know the answer. Do this for us. Good girl. <laughs> She's like, okay, JD. Good girl. <laughs> so, of course, he ran off of the money. So, apparently, he was captured. Method was arrested at his home in Beaverton, Oregon. So, this is actually really close to home for me. I... I used to go to Beaverton quite a bit to visit relatives when I was a kid. So I would probably say it's probably one of the closest uh, proximity criminals or criminal cases that I've probably seen on this show. Because I don't live in Florida, where, you know, probably over 50% of ca- <laughs> crime cases seem to seem to be somewhat related to, to Florida. Yeah, well, you know, fuck. I mean, because you notice that on the show. Like, oh, he's from Florida, or he flees to Florida, or it happens in Florida. Hey, we've already discovered why that is. Florida's apparently more, uh, you know, I just said apparently. Uh, apparently. The JD method is uh, is infiltrating my brain. But uh, Florida's apparently more uh, open with the their... their divulging of uh you know uh the police records and shit like that so headlines you know jump on it and you know we're just we hey we got nothing to hide down here that's honestly i mean that's more of a you know in in our favor than anything else all these other fucking states have all this shit to hide you know what's that about so i guess that's one way to look at it that's the only way (laughs) So, he was arrested at his home in Beaverton, Oregon in September of 1992 after he did another scam on a woman in that town. Inside the home, authorities seized several suitcases and steamer trunks, along with papers and documents that were used by him to perpetrate his scams. He was convicted of, of the fraud and theft charges and sentenced to 16 years in prison. He has served his sentence and has since been released. Yeah, that's a that's the like fucked up thing about these fraud cases is like, I guess because you didn't physically like harm the person, it just seems like whenever these people finally do get apprehended and brought to justice, it's like this puny ass little sentence. And even well, I mean, sixteen years is pretty lengthy for fraud sake. Uh, a fraud. I mean, I mean, it is. Uh, charge. It is, but the whole and has since been released part always bugs me. I guess. Yeah. But like, because he's probably trying to con people now. I mean, the worst thing about it is like, even if even if the judge in any case is like, oh, I'm ruling in your favor. This guy owes you, you know, a million dollars or however much they con from you. The thing is, is like getting actually getting that money back from that person is goddamn highly unlikely. Yeah, goddamn near impossible. Unless you can like put like put a like a levy on their uh, garnish their wages or put a levy on their bank account or whatever. Uh, I thought you were going to be like, unless you can hold them at gunpoint. (laughs) I mean, honestly, Jesus. 
I mean, I, I understand why drug dealers do that to people sometimes when they get stiff because it's like, shit, that's about the only time you can get money from someone in, 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 is unless you physically threaten them, you know, because if not, they don't they just don't view you as a priority. I've had somebody rip me off before and, you know, they owed me 630 bucks for a guitar that they pawned for drugs. And I went after them like a debt collector, but worse. I was calling, I was messaging his parents on Facebook uh, all the time. And man, the whole like three years that that went on, I think he trickled, trickled down to me like a total of like 50 or 60 bucks. And that was a three year period. That was like, he'd, he'd, he'd Western Union me 20 here. He Western Union me 10 there. It was like so ridiculous. It was like a fucking joke. That's laughable. Yeah, and what made me even angrier about the whole thing was like, he supposed, you know, his, of course, him being a fucking drug addict, his side of the story was someone's, uh, he, he took it to his friend's house to get it fixed because apparently, oh, that was another thing. Apparently, while he had it in his possession, it broke. And so he took it to his friend's house to get it fixed, and then his friend magically moved away. And I was like, well, what, who's your friend? What's their name? How do I get a hold of them? And he would not give me that information. He's like, don't worry about it. It's my mistake. I fucked up. I'll pay for it. And it's like, no, you won't. You won't, though. So give me the name of your fucking friend. But of course he didn't because his friend didn't exist because he pawned it for drugs. I don't know where he pawned it, but I know- He pawned his friend for drugs? <laughs> yes, he pawned his friend for drugs. You can do that sometimes. <laughs> Oh man! But yeah, no, it sucks because like when that's like one of the things that sucks most about that shit is that like you because that would be a, a twisted but potentially funny sketch. Where it'd be like, <laughs> I don't have any money, man. I but, got this person you know. here though. <laughs> I got like I got my buddy Keith. You know, he's he's a, he's a decent hard worker. He's an all right guy. You know, can, can you know? Would you take Keith? I don't know. We already have one Keith <laughs> in the back. <laughs> I'm looking for more of a Steve or a Frank. You have any of those? No. Um, yeah, no. That's what sucks though about being defrauded is that you're just never gonna get the money back. It's not. It, you know, it's done. Like it's gone. Well, it, it's like it, it's it's also another reason why every loyal loyal every lawyer will recommend not suing or trying to find people that have low income because the chances are you're not going to get that money. Right. Those individuals could just claim bankruptcy and then you're not going to get anything anyway. So that's why, you know, when you have things like the whole controversy that was going on with YouTube lately with the COPPA violations and whatever... People don't really have that context and don't really seem to understand that, yeah, it's highly unlikely you're going to get fined $42,000 if you can't afford it, because they know that we're not going to get that money, and it would be a waste of resources and time uh, on on the part of the FTC. So, it, it's, it, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same sort of thing with fraud sort of stuff, and it's you normally don't take legal action your lawyer will probably not even recommend you take legal action against somebody who defrauded you because it just 
is it you're more than likely just not going to get the money and the money you're going to spend trying to get that money might be a considerable amount yeah that's another thing um that i i actually um you'll be proud of me me mike i actually watched the founder the other day yeah i watched a great movie isn't it 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 is it is a great movie michael keaton was the shit yes Michael Keaton is the shit. Like, he's one of my favorite actors. He's such an underrated, great, multifaceted actor. He can play a great good guy. He can play a great scumbag. He can play a great sociopath, like in The Founder. It's a story that McDonald's doesn't want you to know yeah. about Ray Kroc. Well, in that story. Because he's a crock of shit. Yeah, in that story, Ray Kroc basically goes to the McDonald brothers and goes, Hey, I, I have put all these. Uh, you know, I have all this. This I went basically. I went behind your back and did all this shit. And um, if you try to sue me for you know essentially stealing their idea, stealing their intellectual property, if you try stealing their name, yeah, if you try to sue me, uh, I will bury you in in lawyer fees, like you or you will bury yep. yourself. You can't like I've got you by the balls. All you can do is sign this. Uh, you know, sign the name over to me. Yep. I mean, he be- he stole that shit from them. Like, yeah, right, like he put he put the original McDonald's restaurant built by the McDonald's brothers out of business by building a McDonald's restaurant, you know, in the same vicinity. Well, he he would he would just go and, you know, at first he, he acted like he was, you know, a franchise partner or whatever. And he was going out and expanding McDonald's name. But then pretty soon greed got the best of him. And control, wanting to be a control freak, and he he found some loophole to where if he bought the property, the real estate yep. that the McDonald's sat on, that uh-huh. he it, that would be a loophole in the agreement with the McDonald brothers, and he could essentially do whatever he wanted, and through some convoluted legal legal method, he was able to usurp the McDonald name and brand and everything. And yeah. And he even like had a, a different company. It was like a, a, it was like what like McDonald's like real t- some kind of yeah like, something like that some kind of uh, company that was essentially just a front for all of this kind of stuff. Um, he was a smart but incredibly shrewd businessman who saw the opportunity to be rich and to you know make a lot of money and to get a lot of power. And he jumped at it, and it's something that he always wanted. And he wasn't able to get by going door-to-door trying to sell mixers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Roy Kroc, uh, in, especially in that movie, he, he seemed like a very complicated individual. I, I didn't hate him in the movie. No. like he's- You don't hate Roy, Ray. You don't hate Ray, you just... You're disappointed and you're upset at the way that he handled things. Because it's not what you would consider morally right. It's morally reprehensible. But at the same time, though, it's like... You have these, like, like the McDonald brothers, where, like, these artisan, almost, like... Uh, just almost like hipster-esque in their how fucking uh, 
I guess, quality control they wanted their restaurant to be. Like, they wanted it to be just perfect like not not a single hair out of place they wanted the, the 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 fries to be the same consistent heat every time they wanted the wait to be no longer than you know what 30 seconds well or... i mean that's that's a big reason why their business was so successful yeah and so they weren't making millions of dollars but they were making a decent profit off of their restaurant Ray Kroc comes in and sees the potential for this, this you know, wunderkind restaurant to be all over the United States. McDonald's, he loved the name. And he wanted to franchise it out and do all this other stuff. And they said, okay. And so he started doing it. And then he started running into kind of financial problems here and there. And he started seeing ways that he could cut corners. For instance, the milkshakes. Instead of using real milk, using this pre-packaged milkshake-esque powder. So we can blame him for how shitty McDonald's milkshakes have been for decades. I actually actually like their milkshakes, but that's just me. Um, (laughs) But, you know, he would want to do this stuff, and the McDonald brothers were like, no, absolutely not. We're not going to call it a milkshake if there's not any milk in there, you know, or ice cream. And... Ray's over here like, but we can make all this money. Are you fucking stupid? What are you doing? Come on, man. And they're like, I don't, we don't care about the money. We have quality standards we want to maintain. And that was, it was like they were two on two extremes. Like Ray was too much focused on the money and the McDonald brothers were too focused on stringent quality standards. Now in a perfect world, everything would have stringent quality standards, but you're not going to make as much money and... You won't be able to expand past your San Bernardino location, so there needed to be a happy medium. Anyway, that's a, that's a little story on McDonald's. If you want, <laughs> if you want to see the full story, check out the founder. It's a great movie. Um, but I say all that basically to say that you know what JD Method did was, you know, it's like some of the stuff he did was like on the fringes of legality. So it was like, I don't know, I guess that's why when it comes to when they finally do get caught, their sentences are usually less than someone who clearly, you know, in a black and white kind of situation, you murder someone that's, you know, that's a black or white thing. You killed them. You took their life. You know, that is clearly a wrong thing. But fraud, I guess, you know, sometimes it can be hazy because it's like, well... It's fucked up from a moral standpoint, but technically you went through all the legal channels to do the things you did, or maybe you just bent the rules here. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Unless you have anything to add. I don't really have anything to add other than, I guess, it's kind of like cheating in sports. You know, like what the Patriots tend, tend to do a lot, where they, you know bend the rules and look for any loophole and are, you know, on the outskirts of the rules, but because they're on the outskirts of them, they haven't necessarily crossed the the line. It's technically legal. Like, for instance, like committing like pass interference on every down uh, or, you know, doing illegal pick plays as much as possible. It, it's 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 legal, but not technically, but but it's legal because the refs can't call a penalty on every down. So they get away with just constantly cheating because you know they know that 
they game the system. Oh, Patriots and fans so would think, be so uh, uh, angry at you right now. And, and they should know that already. Like they should. I mean, come on, Patriots fans. If there's any that are listening to this podcast, uh, your your team got busted again for filming signals on the sideline. So come on, like at least embrace your 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 uh, the reality of the situation here. They do win a you lot. Guys like to you got they do win a lot, and they like to find a loophole. And so do a lot of other teams. They're not alone in that. I mean, even in baseball, we have some controversy going on with the Astros and them stealing signals and, you know, illegally recording things. So it's all about getting an edge. I get it. But that's kind of the same sort of thing. You know, J.D. Method was all about him getting an edge on these individuals that would fall victim to his charm. I'm surprised I was able to like add even what little I did add to that sports, uh, that brief <laughs> little sports offshoot there. And the only reason I was even able to add that is because I listened to comedian Bill Burr's podcast, and he yeah. talks about the he's a huge Patriots fan. Uh-huh. He talks about him all the time, so I guess because of him, I know a little bit about. I like I like Bill too. I, I love his rant on the Eagles in Philadelphia. Well, this was just random Philadelphia period that was hilarious. He was at a Philadelphia uh, stand up gig, and the, the audience did not like any of the comics, and everyone yeah. was bombing. So Bill just said "fuck it," and instead of doing his act, <laughs> he just went out there and shat on Philadelphia and their sports teams, yeah, and just everyone was booing him and shit, and it just became this epic uh, thing or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I think Bill Burr's kind of a dick, honestly. He is. He is. But he he knows that. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to our next case, the case of David Merrifield. Uh, very um, disturbing way to find somebody, I guess you could say. Yep. Shocking, too. Very shocking. On Thursday, February 9th, 1995, at 7 a.m., attorney Clint Blackman arrived at his Dallas office building and took the stairs to the third floor to avoid the infamously slow elevator. Employee Juanita Lackey forgot her keys to the office and was let in by Secretary Roxanne Lederman at 7.30 a.m. They went to the elevator, and when it opened, they discovered the body of 42-year-old attorney David Merrifield lying on the floor. So that's nice. You, you, you order an elevator down, and there's a dead body in there on the floor with a pool of blood. They went to Clint, who went to the elevator, saw David's body, and called the police. He had been shot in the back of the head, execution style. He left behind a new wife of only three months and two children. At first, it was believed that a robbery was the motive until David's missing wallet was discovered a few miles away with everything still inside. Why are you sending me a link to David Merrifield? Because it's the uh, unsolved. Oh, there's an unsolved. (laughs) I did not know that. I did not know that. That is slightly better than uh, the Wikia. Um, So, yeah, anyway. Clint Blackman recalled the incident. I heard a lot of screaming and hollering. Juanita said that she thought that there was a man in the elevator, but they'd all, all they'd really seen was legs and weren't really sure what was there. Um, so it was David Merrifield. Uh, because his wallet was taken, uh, they thought robbery was motive, but uh, the, his opinion changed once the wallet was found. 
Quoting Sergeant Jerry King here, Mr. Merrifield's wallet was recovered a few miles from the crime location, and in the wallet was still a small amount of money in all of his credit cards. So I believe, had robbery been a motive, that stuff would have not have been recovered. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how, like, anytime you're going to kill someone, if robbery's not a motive, like, I don't understand, like, why not just take their money anyway? I mean, they're dead. Yeah. You're already killed. You already committed, like, one of the worst crimes. Might as well take their money, too. I don't know why they leave the money. Well, that's not, that's not their whole thing, I guess. You I mean, know, doesn't, their, whole, their whole MO. Aren't you going to need money to, like, be on the run and hide, you know? Not if it's a freaking hitman. He probably has enough fucking money. <laughs> I guess that's true. And also, the credit cards and stuff could be traced to you. Oh, yeah, the credit cards for sure. Anyway, um, as police dug deeper, they learned that the day before he was murdered, David received four phone calls from a mysterious stranger named Sam Jones. Even just, like, reading that name is such a fake name. Uh, Sam Jones. That's like Was the guy a big fan of Flash Gordon? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I know what Flash Gordon is, but I don't understand that reference. Because the, act, the actor's name is Sam Jones. Mm. Sam J. Jones is the name of the actor nice. who played Flash Gordon in the... 1980 film. Flash! Oh! You saved every one of us! <laughs> yep. So anyway, um... Received a mysterious stra- phone call from a stranger named Sam Jones. David's co-worker, Jennifer Wanamaker, remembered the call vividly. He told me his name was Sam Jones, but he wouldn't tell me who he was with or what it was concerning. David spoke to him for, I guess, a little under 10 minutes. I went up and kind of joked with David, and I said, oh, what's he trying to sell you? And David says, well, he's not trying to sell me anything yet. He says he wants to do something for me. Sergeant King suspected that Sam Jones was an alias. David Merrifield, we discovered during this case, had a notepad on his desk, which he had a calendar on. And on February the 9th, he had (laughs) a marking for a name... In an appointment he had at 6.30 a.m. with Sam Jones. Due to the common nature of the name, it's my guess it's possibly a fictitious name. Have you noticed this? That a lot of, like, investigators and, like, police officers, like, they take one of the most just simplistic, basic sort of things, like a planner, a day planner, and then, like, turn turn it into an entire paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, he had a notepad on his desk, which had a calendar on it. And on February the 9th, he had a marking there for a name and an appointment that he had at 6.30 a.m. Yeah, I, with Sam Jones. I guess being a uh, <laughs> a detective or an investigator, you, you get so detail-oriented. You have to be. That, that, well, yeah. that when you speak about it, you're just as detail-oriented, even though you may you may have become so disconnected with the public you don't realize that we don't we don't need a ted talk on uh the damn <laughs> calendar that was found on the desk you know <laughs> um, it's a day it's a day planner most business men have it like it's not it's not so anyway he's supposed to meet this sam jones at 6:30 a.m. clint blackman found the time of the meeting unusual i had known david and worked for him for years and know David's habits, and he never liked to get to work early. In fact, to see him at work before nine was just unusual. He was not an early riser. He usually liked to work later. And I'm sorry I'm making all my characters sound like gay men, but that's just that's just the voice that I'm giving them for whatever reason, so just, you know, deal with it. I didn't really get that. They all sounded they all sounded doing. a little effeminate to me, but maybe that's just how I secretly am. I don't know. 
Um, or maybe not so secretly, fellas. Call me. Sorry. I am sorry. I don't know what's happening. I'm being possessed right now by another person. Uh, um, yeah. So, yeah, I have a lot in common with David Merrifield because I fucking hate mornings, too. And I would they're all like he would never be awake at that time unless it was for like a very, uh, you know, very special kind of meeting or very extenuating circumstance. I'm the same way, man. If you ever hear of me being awake in the AM at all, just know something's amiss because I'm never up that early. Well, unless it's like, hey, we need you to show up for a meeting for your band. Yeah, you know, yeah, that I would, that I would do. Or if I'm making money of some kind of some significant form, then yeah, I, I'm not a morning person either. But you know, you're probably more up. of one than I am. Well, now because I have to be. <laughs> Because you have to be in order to get to certain classes that happen in the morning or if I'm scheduled to open in the morning. So, so but I, I'm, I'm more of a night owl and I, I definitely prefer non-morning shifts or things that happen early in the morning because I'm not a morning person. Sergeant King theorized that the killer instead uh, insisted on an early meeting in order to get David alone. We think that Mr. Merrifield entered the elevator with another person. Whoever Sam Jones is, it's obvious from our investigation, lured him to this location to do exactly what he did, to take his life in the elevator that morning. What we need in this case is an independent witness to come forward. If that person has heard any person boasting about being involved in this crime... If that person happened to be at this location or near this location on the morning of this crime, they might have seen suspicious activity. That's the type of inf information we need. We need to know who Sam Jones is. And they never found out. And the guy's never been caught. Uh, well, according to Wikia here, it's it was solved in 2007. Oh, it was, okay. The prime suspect in David's murder committed suicide after being diagnosed with a terminal illness. Police did not publicly identify him, but have since closed the case, believing the suspect was responsible. David's, uh, David's niece confirmed that the unidentified suspect was the killer. His reasons for killing David are unknown. So it is technically solved, but not really, because we don't know why he killed him? Well, I mean, the murder's solved in the sense of, like, who did yeah. it, but we, don't, we, we, we have the, the how and the who, but not the why. Yeah, it's, it's halfway there. Let's see the comments here if there's any good info. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, to this day, my dad, as well as David's partners in the law firm, believe it was his wife's ex-husband. David's business partners have kept their reasons close to the vest, but they strongly believe it was her ex-husband. And this is a guy who was a friend. Uh, David, was a, oh. David was a friend of our family, our attorney, and he and his wife would come over occasionally for Sunday dinner. Uh, look at this. This is from Unsolved Mysteries. Officially, they responded to the wikia that says the suspect is deceased and the police have closed the case. And Unsolved Mysteries responds and saying, according to the Dallas Police Department, the case is still open. Oh, I do see that. Interesting. So who was right? I don't know. Wikia can be... At edited by you know any average you know joe or schmo so yeah which i've never actually seen anybody go in and edit like like uh like def i've seen some funny stuff people do like because they're sports fans so they'll edit like the wikipedia page and be like certain players owned by a certain team <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually seen anybody going and like deface the page though. No, but I mean, there are a lot of people who add information that isn't necessarily one hundred percent accurate. Yeah. This could be one of those instances. If if I had to choose between Wikia and whoever is editing that and Unsolved Mysteries, right? I, I think I'd probably lean more to Unsolved Mysteries. So I think this case is not solved. Oh god, <laughs> fucking Wikipedia is the bane of my existence when it comes to being a trivia DJ. The amount of motherfuckers. <laughs> Well, on Wikipedia, uh, it says... Like, I asked a question <laughs> la yesterday. I said, which is older, Minneapolis or St. Paul? And the correct answer is Minneapolis. But I had, like, at least two people come up holding their phone in my face, showing me a year. I'm like, okay. And they're like, yeah, St. Paul's older. And I'm like, okay, well, go sit down. Let me put on a song, which will buy me time to research this shit. And it's like, sometimes Google's very helpful. Usually it's very helpful, but sometimes you just want a fucking straight answer and it will not give it to you. No. And this was no. this was one of those times. I was like, is Minneapolis older than St. Paul? And it would not, finally, I found an article that said Minneapolis was established first in such and such time or whatever. I'm like, Jesus uh -huh. Christ, thank you. <laughs> Oh, another thing that happened yesterday, uh, this is a little less related to Wikipedia, but I asked the question, what was the first peace treaty, what what country did the United States sign its first peace treaty with? And the Trivial Pursuit game that I used, the question that I got the question from, said France. Well, I got a, um, technically... Uh, that was not a peace treaty that they signed. That was a treaty of alliance, which is different than a peace treaty. A peace treaty, uh, the first peace treaty was signed uh, by Great Britain with the United States. A treaty of alliance <laughs> was signed with France. And it's like, oh my I, I, God. I could, just, I could just see you rolling your eyes right now. Yeah, because it's like... Out of the back of your head. The thing is, it's like they're technically right, but it's like, you are, you guys are some fucking nerds. How do, why do well, you what know hates, this? What I hate is when you have nerds who don't know what the fuck they're talking about get on your case and like start talking shit to you. Like I had this one guy who's trying to... He's saying something like, the uh, 2006 Casino Royale movie with James Bond, you know, the James Bond film with Daniel Craig, is a, basically a remake of the 1967 movie Casino Royale. And then I, and he throws in a Wikipedia article at me. And then I look through the article, and then I remember from what I remember what I had uh, seen from that movie, and I'm like, uh, other than the title and some aspects of the plot, they could not be any more different. One is a satire comedy and has a lot of different plot points. And the other is an official Bond movie. Like, like these people are fucking delusional and they're also like really stubborn for some reason. And this same guy was starting to get on my case for having a legit problem with Disney owning as many IPs and studios as they do. And he was, this motherfucker was trying to go around and accuse me of being a socialist. Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a jump. And then, and then he would be like, then I would say, I'm not a socialist and I don't give a shit about politics. And then he would be like, well, you know, since you seem to believe, you know, that a company like Disney should 
split up its assets, then you you are at least thinking about being a socialist, and you will probably get into politics. It's like, oh my God. no, I won't. <laughs> what, I when, will not. When does, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I, I don't know, like, when does Disney become a fucking monopoly, though, at this point? They are a monopoly. People just are delusional, and they're, like, they're just, they're addicted to the Disney drug. I pointed that out to some of these people, and they're so addicted to this drug they they are they've been brainwashed and some of them are actually actively hoping that Disney buys more properties just so they could see other people get their panties in a knot. And I'm like, you are such a ignorant moron. And and in Hollywood in general is fucked if this is the generation that is gonna be responsible for the future of cinema. Because they don't give a shit. They don't care. As long as they got their X Men and Fantastic Four in the in the MCU, the Hollywood could crumble around them, or a giant Disney wall could be put up in front of in front of uh, the uh, Hollywood Hills, and they would just be grinning like a goddamn hyena. <laughs> God, those the people at the top of Disney. How much fucking money are they? They they. See, they're making a lot. And the whole thing is, they've found the formula. And even when people complain, rightfully so, about their lazy live-action remakes, people still make them make a billion dollars. Yeah. They got people by the balls. I'm not one of them, though. Fuck Disney. <laughs> I've been boycotting them since they bought Fox. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, my thing about it is, like, they really have to prove to me that they're really going to let companies do what they want to do, and they're not going to censor them in any way. Um, Disney's all about their brand. They're all about their brand recognition. People bring up things like when Disney... Because I have, I'm really leery of Disney handling properties like Alien, Predator, or Die Hard. Because they're rated R, violent, fairly dark properties. I don't, I don't see Disney handling them very well. Because they don't really have a whole lot of experience with the current regime. And then people bring up Netflix shows, and I'll be like, uh, those were made by a different production company that Phage wasn't really involved with, and Iger and company weren't involved with. They allowed them to use Daredevil and Punisher, and that's as close as it gets to Disney's involvement. Other than that, they just stayed the heck away and just let them do whatever. Um, and they bring up Merrimax or Hollywood Pictures, and even, w even in that era, which, by the way, the same people who are involved overseeing Merrimax or Hollywood Pictures under the Disney brand are probably no longer working for the company in the same capacity or at all. But even in, in that time period, the 1995 film Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone, the original cut was really violent. It was living up to the comics and, and, and the grittiness and the darkness and the violence of the comics it's based on. But Disney got their hands on the rough cut, saw that it was too violent and asked for a ton of fucking cuts. And so this is in 1995. So, this is a history of Disney 
having issues with certain films or certain stories not matching their brand integrity. So why would I or anyone else, if they know this, think that Disney is going to do anything different if they buy Bond, for instance? Right. Which Iger is apparently interested in. But anyway, uh, this is a podcast about un- uncovering on. Un- Solved uh, and uncover, uh, uncovering. Get it together, Mike. And unexplained mysteries. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> and uh, boy, do we have an unexplained mystery for you. So this is from uh, the Singular Fortean Society website. Apparently, there might be a son of Mothman. <laughs> I'm already on board. So, Manuel Navarrete of the UFO Clearinghouse received a report recently. I love that name, UFO Clearinghouse. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm just imagining someone showing up to my door. With, step right up, with, step right up. All these UFOs got to go. Look at the grades. We got to sail on small grades. We got to sail on large grades. We got to sail on lizard people. You got to check out the lizard people. We have dome UFOs. We have saucer UFOs. We have those big ass UFOs that look like the Starship Enterprise. Come to the UFO Clearinghouse this Sunday. It's all got to go. 50% off. Don't tell no. the government. <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, the clearinghouse check, you know, that whole uh, thing. Publisher's where, clearinghouse. Like, the publisher's clearinghouse. I was thinking of a UFO clearinghouse version of that. Where they show up with a big ass UFO. Knock on your door. <laughs> you are the new owner of this amazing flying saucer. The late, the old woman just got this puzzled look on her face. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. What, 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 what in Sam Hill am I going to do with that? Uh, I don't know, but it's yours. Bye. You might get radiation poisoning from it. We don't exactly know where it came from or, you know, what it does. Don't talk to anybody named Betty Cash. She might tell you some shit that you might not want to hear. Uh, yeah, and, like, keep it in a hangar underground if you have one of those, because we really don't want anyone to know these exist. But here you go. Have fun. Bye. (laughs) That's the second time so, I did the car pulling away noise on this podcast. That's I'm imagining that they don't even get in a car. They just run really fast and then <laughs> make the noise themselves. Oh, they pull out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> God damn. The, the, uh, the CIA have done a lot of budget cuts in, in, in your scenario, Mike. Can't even afford a car. So, the Manuel Navarrete of the UFO Clearinghouse received a report recently from a man who said he was standing outside of a cargo dock at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago when he spotted a seven-foot-tall person with wings just outside of a fence by the parking lot. The sighting reportedly took place at approximately 6.30 p.m. on November 26th. According to the report, I was at the airport picking up a load at Nippon Cargo Airlines. I was already backed into a dock and was standing away from the truck smoking a cigarette while I loaded my truck. I was looking toward the runways in the direction of the tunnel, and that is when I noticed something that looked like a large bird standing just outside the fence by the parking lot. It was not hard to miss because two street lamps were nearby. It looked like a person with wings that were stretched out and flapping. It was walking away from the fence toward the open field and began to flap its wings and then disappeared. Navarrete was able to speak with the witness over the phone. I spoke with the witness via phone and was able to get a little more information regarding the sighting, the investigator said. 
The witness primarily speaks Spanish, but was able to report the sighting with the help of his daughter and her boyfriend. Uh, he was standing away from the truck that was being loaded, smoking a cigarette, when he said he caught movement out of the corner of his eye and saw the being standing near the parking lot that was illuminated by two street lamps. The witness said the creature was about seven feet tall, using the fence as a point of reference. When I asked him about how he was able to be so certain of the height of this being, the driver stated that he was... He has been to the location multiple times and estimates the fence to be about eight feet high. Using the fence, he was certain that he, the being was at least seven feet tall. When asking him about how large the wings were, he said at least six feet across and black. The witness used language seen in previous sighting reports from the largely Hispanic neighborhood of Chicago's Little Village. When I asked him to describe the being, he said it looked like a demonio, demonio or a duende, goblin, and was solid black. Uh, the witness said he saw nothing that looked like eyes and assumed the creature might have a, his back turned to him. He stated that it walked with a gait like a bird and that it was flapping its wings as it walked toward the large field that is by the runways and disappeared into the night. Also present was a sense of evil, similarly reported by previous witnesses. The witnesses did state that when it disappeared, he quickly did the sign of the cross and asked the Virgin Mary for protection. He put out his cigarette and quickly walked back to his truck. When I asked him why he did that, he stated that he felt a presence of his evil and convinced that he had seen a demon. When he asked to elaborate on a statement, the witness refused to talk about it anymore for the fear of it coming back. I respected his wishes and went to ask other questions about the time, conditions, and if it were other, if there were other potential witnesses to his sighting. He continued, he had stated that there were others at the same facility, but they were either inside the facility itself or in their trucks. When asked if he had seen something similar before, the witness stated that he had before... He had before when he was a teenager back home in Mexico. Are you eating something? No, I'm sorry. Something? I'm cutting up trivia slips because after this, uh, I got to go straight to trivia. So I'm, I'm, the witness stated yeah. that he saw a solid black winged creature that was circling an open field that he and other children were playing soccer in. He stated it circled the field and made a loud screeching noise before flying off into the surrounding forest. When I asked him if he remembered the date of the sighting, he stated that he did not remember the exact date. But a week later, there was a large earthquake in Mexico City. For the record, the magnitude 8.0 earthquake hit Mexico City was on September 19th, 1985. Huh. So th that's kind of interesting, because the Mothman sightings were coincided with things like that bridge collapse. Yeah. Supp well, supposedly. Supposedly someone saw Mothman when the bridge collapsed yeah. in Point Pleasant. So the witness seems sincere, albeit scared that he had seen something demonic and evil. It's my opinion that the witness is telling the truth. An investigator will be dispatched to do field observation, and any info will be posted to UFO Clearinghouse as it becomes available. The sighting location is less than 15 miles west of Lake Michigan. Several other sightings have been reported in the same area, including an October 30th sighting of a large-winged humanoid in Park Ridge on October 29th. A report of a winged humanoid accompanied by several other beings. On October 19th, sighting of a giant-sized bat outside of the Edward Hotel in Rosemount. Rosemont. An October 5th, sighting of a tall creature with bright red eyes and large wings near Chicago O'Hare's International Airport. And a report from July of a six-foot-tall creature flying over the Day Plains River near Rosemont, Illinois. This is the latest news in a string of Mothman sightings within a few hundred-mile radius surrounding Lake Michigan, including every state bordering the Great Lake. These sightings ostensibly began in the spring of 2017, but more historical accounts are being reported as more people become aware of the phenomenon. Sightings of weird gray, weird winged beings around 
Lake Michigan have been reported at all hours, often in or near a park around water. Witnesses consistently describe a large gray or black bat or bird-like creature, although in a small number of cases the creature was described as insect-like, sometimes with glowing or reflective red, yellow, or orange eyes. And humanoid features such as arms and legs are often reported. Many of the sightings are also of something seen only briefly or described as only as a flying creature with a few details, which leaves open the possibility that a large avian being could explain some encounters, like a sand crane. <laughs> oh, the sand S- crane. Sightings of anomalous avians, including thunderbirds and petrosaurs, are often reported in or near the same locations. Those where witnesses have reported winged humanoids. So people are like, I saw a pterodactyl. <laughs> I think you saw Jurassic World too many times. <laughs> to report a sighting, reach out directly to us at the Singapore Fortune Society, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, that's the sun or sons of Mothman. Do you think it's possible that there could be a gender non-binary moth person? That's a possibility. I just thought it would, you know, it has a better ring to it. You know, like like son of Frankenstein, like the uh, the moth person doesn't identify as a, a, a woman or a man. It's just so it's a gender fluid. Yes, moth. it's a yes, it's a gender fluid uh, moth moth person. And do you think <laughs> at that point that moth would become? You're like, don't assume the moth man's gender. <laughs> yeah. The, and, and would that become part of the moth person's mission is anybody who calls it moth man gets like, you know, they, they need to get, is it, is it gonna, it's going to be upset like that, that meme of that, uh, transgender gal in the, in the game store. It's ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The moth, the moth person just perches on like, the roof and then waits till the person comes out of the house and like fucking wraps its claw feet around its shoulders and drags it up into the air and as the person's freaking out the moth person is like it's they them and then drops the person (laughs) to their death well, I think that would only happen if, if like, my, they said, oh, my God, it's the Mothman. My pronouns! My pronouns! <laughs> anyway. We probably offended, uh, like, three people just then. I'm not saying anything against gender fluid No, I'm not people. either. I, I mean, some of it's a little bit, some of it's a little bit ridiculous. You have to bet. Yeah. Bet, yeah, just a little bit. I mean, you know. Calm the fuck down, people, you know? That's the thing that I don't like nowadays. Uh, with, uh, and I'll, 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 God, I'm gonna date, I'm gonna sound like an old fart, but you know, I think a lot of people listening to this are fucking old, so here, what, whatever. Uh, I feel like the generation beneath us, Gen Z or whatever, um, cause you know, we're millennials, probably most of the people who listen to this podcast are either Gen X or millennials, um, maybe even a few boomers here and there, but, um, it seems like the generation under us, Gen Z, are they take themselves so goddamn seriously. Oh my goodness. Like they are so they act like they're so oppressed when they are by far the least oppressed generation in history. I mean, nothing has been more open and and accepting 
society-wise than this time period that we're in now. And yet, you look at these kids and the shit they post and complain about, and it's like, good lord, guys. Like, you need to just chill the fuck out. I'm so glad I got out of stand-up comedy when I did because... Man, like, this would be, like, the worst time to do fucking stand-up comedy. But anyway, what the fuck did you just send me? Thousands <laughs> of penis fish are washed onto a California beach after storm pulled them from their underwater burrows. Penis fish, what do these look like? Oh, my God. They all look like, like, fucking... <laughs> they look like, like, horse... Tiny horse dicks. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, these are disgusting. Oh God, they look like uncircumcised schlongs or sweet or sweet <laughs> potatoes. I don't know which. Gross. Well, thanks for uh, ending that train of thought, Mike, by uh, sending me your cockfish. Um, let's pull up. Well, I just thought you know that's the. Uh... Because a lot of those individuals are talking about it probably in California, so. <laughs> Let's pull up the Robert Stack uh, generator. Oh, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Helen. Uh, I don't know if she wants to say her last name or not. Oh, Stackbot, I found it. Um, okay. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Helen. She's been running our Twitter account for us, and she's been posting stuff consistently, and she's posting, like, per the perfect content for our page, and... We're, you know, getting a lot more likes and cool and uh, follows and, and it's... It, well, thank you, Helen. Oh, yeah. She's doing such a fucking good job. So thank you so much, Helen, for running our Twitter. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's... Um, fuck. It's at, it's at Uncovering UM. Uncovering UM is our Twitter handle. So go and follow us on there. But anyway, this is... Um, basically, this, <laughs> this is called the Robert Stackbot. It just generates kind of random tonight on unsolved mysteries things so i'll just go and read through a few here tonight on unsolved mysteries and it's random so it's you know funny it's either funny or it's going to be not or whatever but all right anyway tonight on unsolved mysteries two undertaker enthusiasts go on vacation to san marino and are never heard from again did you see them tonight on unsolved mysteries find out why sci-fi thrillers hide the truth about wolverines <laughs> i like this one it's like tonight on unsolved mysteries why did all the classic comedies in the 80s suck? <laughs> <laughs> I like how he he reveres them enough to call them classic comedies, but then to turn around and say they suck. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, the corporate case of this retail buyer will haunt you. <laughs> Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, a 61-year-old rancher goes missing in the studio. Can you crack the case? So he's in the Unsolved Mystery studio and he and, yeah. he and he's but he happens to be a rancher and he's missing long enough for them to like be like, all right, we need to write a case about this. Maybe someone has seen him in the studio in our studio. Tonight, yeah. Tonight in Unsolved Mysteries, we uncover the ominous origins of McHale's Navy. <laughs> Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, we uncover the spine tingling origins of the Smothers Brothers comedy hour. Let's <laughs> see, man. Update. They're they're really running out of material for Unsolved Mysteries at that point. They have some updates too. Update: Amanda Seyfried may be involved <laughs> tonight in Unsolved Mysteries. A diseased emergency medical technician goes out to buy a recognized Ozzy Osbourne 
and is never seen again. <laughs> Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, two Aaron Eckhart enthusiasts go on a vacation to South Korea and are never heard from again. Did you see them? Okay, I'm starting to notice a theme here. Yeah. Something, something enthusiasts, something, something are never heard from again. Have you seen uh -huh. them? Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, was it really just an information services accident that killed gaming manager? <laughs> Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, an uninvited Jaguar goes out to buy a doing postal service clerk and it's never seen again. Okay. I think I think we've uh, gotten most of our mileage out of Stackbot here. Yeah. There's not really a whole lot of like Oh, this one's kinda good though. This fraudulent case of this furnishings worker will haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys no, that's the end really... of the fucking podcast if you want to uh give us some money on patreon you're gonna get the podcast early this week for sure that's uh patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries you can also give us suggestions for what to cover next uh we had a suggestion that was left on there last week and um i sent it to mike it's a i can't find the comment anywhere it's to cover a movie we did see your. It's a documentary. Oh, it's a documentary. Okay, so we that should that should definitely be on the list of something we should cover in the future. Um, so yeah, there you go. I mean, this person's thing will be talked about at some point, you know. And if you want to be in that position, then you know what to do. Uh, if you want to become a fan of our Facebook, the documentary is called The Imposter. There you go. Uh, if you want to become a fan of our Facebook group, go to facebook.com. Go to the group section. Type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. And join the group. We got a lot of awesome people in there who are very enthusiastic and friendly, and there are no dicks like a lot of groups. Um, and so, yeah, do that. And if you want more of me and Mike, but separately, you can find us on YouTube. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He is a movie guy. He talks about movies. What was the last thing you talked about, Mike? The last thing I talked about was a bunch of different trailers and stuff like that and a little bit of movie news talked about the trailer for ghostbusters afterlife Dude, how, how good does that look well I, the more i see it the more i'm kind of like leery about it being generic that's some of the things it, it's i i like a lot of the respectful homages to the original franchise uh which was sorely lacking in the 2016 film i mean that movie literally has a scene where the the ghost busting gals shoot the ghost logo in the dick with a proton pack yeah. so yeah um <laughs> that's that's not very respectful at all so this one it, it is definitely more respectful there's some nice callbacks like the name of the mine is shandor mining company uh which is related to ivo shandor who was one of the it was a man it was the architect behind the building and ghostbusters um, that was channeling all these spirits as a funnel to bring back Gozer. And, uh, of course, you know, seeing the suits again and, and the Ecto-1 and everything, that was pretty cool. They, they did a good job doing nostalgia the right way. Not that half-assed, like, oh, do you remember this? Like, actually bringing up nostalgic feelings because the car's all rusted, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, I think a lot of people get nostalgia confused. They think nostalgia is just, oh, do you remember that? And and there's it's a it's it's a certain feeling, and you don't really get that feeling if they just be like, hey, remember this scene? Hey, remember that? Like that's that's not really, it's a really that's not really true nostalgia if you ask me. 
Um, I'm worried though about it because if they don't have the original cast involved in a considerable capacity, especially by the climax, it's these kids and Paul Rudd are not strong enough to carry the film, let alone defeat whatever threat that is going to be in the movie. So I I would hope that they don't just have the original cast involved just for like a brief couple cameo scenes, because I I don't think this film is going to be able to, to really hold up without them getting involved in some considerable capacity, at least by the climax, like suiting up again and, and saving the world one more time because kids don't have any experience and they're fucking kids. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Uh, and I find it kind of ironic that like we have kid Ghostbusters when there was a whole gag in Ghostbusters 2 about how a proton pack is not a toy. <laughs> yeah. Then they went and made all that Ghostbusters merch, all the toy merch and all that. Uh-huh. Kind of ironic that they would say that. But then again, it was just kind of a way for the writers in Ghostbusters 2 to kind of do a little bit of... Uh, comedy about the how ghostbusters turned into a kid's property because the cartoon was was on the air at the time when ghostbusters 2 came out in 1989 so it looks better than i thought it was going to i'm curious about it but i still i'm still leery i liked it but i'm still leery about about how they're gonna do things um but I mean, it looks a lot better than the last movie did. But I mean, that's that's a very low bar. <laughs> yeah. So I also talked about Wonder Woman 1984. I like that trailer, and I'm not even really a big fan of Wonder Woman, but I did like that trailer. Talked about No Time to Die, the new Bond movie, which uh, Daniel Craig looks like he looks like he wants to die. <laughs> he, he he just oh he's he looks, he's still he, he's still doing Bond. Yeah he. He has said previously he didn't want to do anymore, and you can tell that he's just not in. He's not into it. Yeah, that, God, he's been um, he's been the guy ever since uh, Pierce Brosnan retired. You know, retired the role, yeah. which has been forever at this point. I thought they were getting uh, old Id- Idris Elba in there. Nope. Instead, they have some uh, African American chick who's uh, taking the mantle and. Uh, she has the name 007 in this movie because Bond retired or something. Mm, and, and because and so, we're at a time when uh, just replacing genders and uh, races in a role just to fucking do it is a thing that, that everyone gets a huge boner off doing now. Apparently. It's like, yeah, you know, it makes no sense for us to do it, and there's really no point in the plot, and there's no purpose whatsoever to do it, but hey... What way to virtue signal better than to do a whole movie where we do this that everyone will see advertisements for and everything? I mean, won't we like the whole movie isn't that? I mean, the real Bond, you know, the the uh, James Bond is still in it, but it, the the trailer just has some stuff in it that worry me. Mm. Like they emasculate him. They have stuff where he goes back to to uh, the headquarters and you know. This uh, guy looks at him like he doesn't even know who he is. It's like, even if Bond retired for a little bit, like, it's James fucking Bond. Like, 
I don't buy that like anyone who works at this facility is gonna be like, who the hell are you? Like, pff, it's fucking Bond. Yeah. I I use the example all the time, and nobody I've, I haven't heard anybody bring this example up, but it like no one wants to acknowledge this example probably because it's it's an inconvenient one that that makes them look you know makes their argument stupid, but. It's like the the character Spawn, okay? Todd McFarlane's yeah. Spawn character. He, he's, uh-huh. he's a black guy. He was written as a black guy. Yeah. Al Simmons, he's supposed to be... If he's a white man, I'd, I would be Thank you for pissed. ruining the thing I was building up to, Mike. <laughs> God damn it. I was trying to paint a scenario. So anyway, <laughs> Al Simmons, black guy. I love Spawn growing up. I love superheroes. Spawn was darker, though. It was edgier. Yeah. I watched the HBO cartoon. They cursed. That show was great. Oh, it was great. They cursed in there. They there was more. It was more violent. It was just awesome. And, you know, they made a Spawn movie in the 90s, and it wasn't good because CGI was not anywhere near where it needed to be or whatever. Uh, Todd... Mc- it was also PG-13. Yeah, that too. Todd McFarlane's been wanting to do a revamped Spawn movie. If they came out with a Spawn movie and Spawn was played by a white guy, I'd lose my shit. Because Spawn is not a white guy, he's a black guy. Why the fuck are we making Spawn white? What what does that have How does that help the story? What does it do besides piss off the fans? And I yep. would be able to rant and rave about that all day long because you know, it's it's to- it, you can you can in this society it totally it'd be like Black Panther, you know, if they if Black Panther all of a sudden like yeah, let's have Black Panther be played by a white guy. Yeah, it'd be fuck. It's like, and it's like the same thing with any other character. Why are we changing what they've always been? Why are we doing that in this in the in the in the name of virtue signaling? Like, why do we? Care, like well it's because they're trying to pay if you want these more if are, you want more women characters and you want more african-american characters write cool original women yeah. and african-american or gay or whatever minority you want yeah. to see more of write good characters for them don't take characters that have already been established and just change them for the sake of being you know a uh, social justice warrior that's fucking stupid like there it, it makes well, no well, sense yeah. I mean, I agree with that, but the thing is, a lot of these studios, they are, they want these brownie points, and they want these pats on the back for being diverse, and uh, what better way to do it than to do that kind of thing? And I don't get it, because the audience that they are supposedly trying to attract with these kind of moves are majority, most of the time, not the audience that even gives a shit about these movies and isn't even going to see them in the first place. Yeah, like, like if you're sitting, especially with Bond, like, I, I mean, I understand that, like, if you're a minority of some kind, it must be disheartening or annoying to constantly see like just white dudes everywhere. Well, yeah, but I know a lot of there are a lot of individuals, you know, I've seen on the internet. There's a there's a African American guy, I forgot his name, but he does some great content where he even speaks he speaks up about this kind of stuff because he sees through it. He sees exactly what it is, a bunch of pandering bullshit. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and it's like it's like wouldn't you guys rather create He's like I don't want a token Mike, black God damn character. it. Can I finish my thought? It's like wouldn't you got Sorry. wouldn't you guys rather like create something original and cool and and own that 
instead of having this like conciliatory like okay we're not going to create anything new for you but we're going to take this old role and just put a black guy in it doesn't that make you happy it's like getting a fucking participation trophy at this point it's like you know it's like no don't don't like if I you know it's easy for me to say as a white guy if I were a woman I would be offended by this shit because it's like no I don't want a participation trophy I want to like get my own unique badass thing that is, you know, like my own thing, you know, like, yeah, like one, like Wonder Woman, you know, Gal Gadot, that was like, I I didn't see it, but I heard it was a really good movie, you know, and like she owned that role and a lot of people liked it. I I mean, I I haven't seen any of the Marvel movies, so it's not like I singled that one out, but... (laughs) I don't know. That's a DC movie, by the uh, way. Whatever. Whatever. That just shows you how fucking out of touch I am, Mike. Anyway, I made my point with Spawn, okay? If Spawn was a white guy, yeah. it would piss me the fuck off because why? Be- because why? Why would you do that? He was written as a black character, so keep him a black character. And well, it's it like should go I've heard s- some rumors. same across the board. Well, th- what I've heard, speaking of Spawn, here's what I've heard about another Spawn. That Todd McFarlane wants to do it. He wants to direct but he wants to do it in a way where Spawn is barely even in the movie. Yeah, I heard that. He's very and in the shadows. it's more of like a detective story or whatever. And I'm like, what's the point of that? Yeah, I know. I know. I heard the I heard how him describe how he wants to make it and I'm just thinking to myself like uh, I get it. You know, I get the character is supposed to be in the dark and in the shadows all the time and even in the cartoon that's how it was. Spawn was always hiding and he, you know, it, he 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 was doing a lot of contemplating and soul searching and you know but it's like when you have a character that looks as badass as spawn why are you gonna keep him in the dark for half the fucking time man like have him out there like you know maybe not the whole time like kicking ass and taking names but well, actually actually make him the focus but that's the thing it's not just him being in the dark it's him not even being the focus of his own movie well yeah that that also sucks I don't know. Whatever, guys. Uh, anyway, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, <laughs> it's uh, YouTube. Sounds like you should do a video about Spawn. Yeah, I might. I don't know. Uh, if you check out, want to check out my channel, it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. The last video I did was kind of a vlog video, and it's uh, the, the name of the video is Do Antidepressants Make You Feel Like a Zombie? And, Do and I go into the whole age-old saying of people saying, oh, I don't want to get on antidepressants because I'll feel like a zombie. And I, I just kind of talk about how I feel like that's kind of a problematic phrase that people use. Yeah. And how ultimately it deters people who normally would benefit greatly yeah. from antidepressants from getting on them because it's become it's, like this social stigma. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons is people saying, oh, I don't want to be a zombie. And it's like, uh, okay, first of all, if you feel like a zombie, if you're on antidepressants, you're probably taking the wrong medication or the wrong dosage. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that's, that's the guy I was going to say that is that if you feel that way, it's probably not the right medication for you. Then take something else. So I kind of go into all that. I've been on antidepressants for the last few months and, uh, you know, I was having panic attacks. And even the name has a stigma attached to it. Oh, yeah. Even there's there's the very name of the drug, antidepressants. Right. Because, like, you know, when you say you're, when you say to people, I'm taking antidepressants, they're like, oh, good for you. Like, in the back of their head, like, he's depressed. Yeah, they're, they're like, this person's damaged or broken. And it's like, yeah. well, we all are, first of all. But second, it's more of, like, 
my brain is sick right now and I could just yeah. go through life and not take it's like being physically sick. That would be like you not taking any like Advil, any cough medicine, any vitamin C. You're not taking anything because, oh, that's for pussies. It's like, no, you're just being stupid and not taking care of yourself. It's the same thing with your brain. If you're having, if you're, well, it's all well. Mental illness has its own stigma attached to right. it. Right. I've said this. It's the ugly Christmas sweater of uh, illnesses. Like nobody wants to talk about it. Like if anybody is like, it's ironic. You know, people might ironically discuss things like that, but like no one like Jed actually genuinely, you know, really wants to discuss that around like. I mean, I'll fucking I'll discuss it any time, any day. If anybody ever wants to reach out to me, I'll fucking talk about it. Yeah, you know, and that's great. Anybody, anybody but, you know, I've I, I feel like I'm a professor of anxiety yeah. at this fuck because depression's ne- has never really been my thing for me. It's been an, it's anxiety, it's anxiety and OCD. Um, yeah, I I've never really been depressed. The only thing that makes me depressed is my anxiety and my OCD. But like, I've never been inherently like depressed, like where I'm just. Well, I mean, you were you were sad. You've been sad. Yeah, before, I've been. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a I'm difference. Sad right now, uh, talking to you and being hungry, and you know, no, I'm just just joking, Mike. Um, no, but um, it, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's like if your brain is sick, getting on medication to help the sickness go away or alleviate it is. There's nothing weak about it. It's, it's just smart. It's the smart. Well, there's also thing to there's do. also. A masculine sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And the thing about it is too is like don't a gender stereotype. Don't look at don't look at the medication process like it's forever. Look at it like I'm going through a season of treatment right now to help my sick brain, and when I get better, I'm going to get off medication. It's not like it's a life sentence. It's not. It's well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's like people get on and off antidepressants and anti anxiety all the time, and there's no shame in that, and there's no problem. And, And another thing is. Uh, even though there is no shame in it, it's also nobody's goddamn business what medication you're taking. You don't yeah. have to tell anybody if you don't exactly. if you don't want to. It's no one's fucking business. I'm open about it, but not everyone uh, wants to be or has to be, and that's fine yeah. too. You know. So I definitely agree with your notion that it, it, it's it is a sickness. It is it's it's a health issue, and uh, more people I think should be educated on that and understand that. Uh, my psychiatrist in the past said something about a mental breakdown and, and mental illness in general that I thought was very poignant. It's essentially a heart attack for your for your brain, and you know, in, in any other instance, I believe we call like, those you strokes, have a heart attack. <laughs> well, well, you I'm know, just joking. I was a little little bit of so, so. So if you have a heart attack, there's no you know you get ambulance comes over puts you in the in the back, takes you to the hospital, you get treatment right away, no questions asked. When you have a mental illness, it's 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 not the same. Whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety attacks, whether it's a, men- a mental breakdown, for some reason in society, we don't have that immediate care option. So, a lot of the time, you have to care for yourself you have to treat yourself and with stuff like this you know it it it, you really should do that because i mean if you're having anxiety problems or you're depressed or having these other things like i would think that you would want to feel better you would want to become healthier the only way to do that is to 
take these medications or, you know, to go to a therapist or something like that. that that's, and it's, it's, it's too bad. It's a lot of people just have all, all these stigmas associated with anxiety, mental illness or, or depression. And especially in, in, uh, with, with men, and I'm not trying to be sexist here. It's just that's a, that's the sort of thing. It's just like I don't want to admit that I'm flawed. I, I, you know, I don't want to admit that I can't handle it. Now, not in control. And it's like, well, no, yeah. you you can handle it, but it's like in the same way that you could handle having a flu that doesn't go away. Yeah, you can go through life with a flu. That doesn't go away and not take any medication for whatsoever, but you're going to have a hell of a lot worse time in life. You're not going to enjoy life as much. You're not going to live up to your full potential as much. It's the same thing. Because I'll tell you something, man, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is not normal to feel depressed or anxious all the time. And that shouldn't be a thing that scares you. That should be a thing that gives you hope because... You yeah. should, you should, if you're depressed right now, you should know that you're not supposed to be feeling like that and that you are meant to feel good. Your body is, we are all made to feel at least a sense of not wanting to die. It's a sense of, if you're living healthy and your brain is functioning healthily, healthily you are not meant to feel, dep you're not supposed to feel depressed or anxious or OCD or whatever. Um, you're, it's not something that you just have to suck yeah, it up. Yeah, it's, it's not something you you should have to... It's something that, that is a symptom that something is going wrong, and there are... Anyway, we've talked about this long enough. I am running way behind for my uh, trivia and karaoke <laughs> gig, so uh, we got we to gotta cut this one off. But uh, yeah, I uh, hope everyone has a good rest of their day and or night. Go over to my YouTube channel if you want to see the rest of that video about me talking about antidepressants and Mike's channel, etc., etc., and goodbye. See ya. But it worked out anyway, because, like, for some reason, I, I've been getting more sleep lately, but I keep waking up with, like, a cramp in the in my in my back. And it's, like, really annoying. And then it goes away. <laughs> so it's like, what the hell? That's, uh, <laughs> that sounds a little bit like morning sickness, Mike. <laughs> no, I don't have anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh... I don't know. You might be late on your... You know, I I realized the other I realized the other day I am I am 31 years late on my period. I don't even know what kind of things brewing inside me. Oh my god! Yeah, that's so, a horror story. Thinking about that, very disturbing. Uh, like if there actually was a a a woman who was that late. <laughs> I remember seeing some shit, and on then it eventually just <laughs> it's just, it's like it's like the. Uh, the room in The Shining. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> oh God! I I saw some shit on um, Flood of Blood. I saw some shit on Ripley's Ripley's Believe It or Not when that show was still on TV way back when, and I, I think it was uh, I think it was Ripley's Believe It or Not, and they had like you know world's biggest tumor that was removed, and it was yeah. like fucking yeah. four hundred pounds, it was insane, yeah. and it had teeth and hair. Uh -huh. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Uh-huh. Why did it have teeth? 
Because it might have started out as like a twin, but then like it turned into a tumor or something. God. That's my guess. I wonder how that thing smelled. I don't wonder how that thing smelled. <laughs> I'm looking up right now. How can tumors grow teeth? Teratomas can grow teeth. Not through, uh -huh. not through dark magic, but through the normal magic of germ cells. The type of stem cell that turns into an egg or sperm, which in turn can produce a fetus. Meanwhile, all the other cells in the tumor lead normal cellular lives and ultimately die off. Uh... I want to know more. <laughs> we can learn more in your spare time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> check, check.